So I'll start again by saying good afternoon to my family, loved ones. Um, you are truly my family. It's not just a church saying thing. To me, you guys are really family. You've been family. Most of you have been family with me for a very long time. Um, I look at you as family. Um, I'm, every time I do get to see you, I'm excited. Like we're having a family reunion. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and I'm grateful to God to have such a wonderful family. Um, the scripture said, if my, if, if my brother and, and, and mother forsake me, God, you will take me in. And um, that's a powerful statement because God is saying to you, well, if they don't back you, I got, I do, and I got a family for you. And I'm not saying that to say something's wrong in my life. It's, oh my God, my family. No, I'm just saying that to say, if you're in that place and this word may go to somebody I'm talking to right now that, I, that needs to hear this, you can count what you don't have or you can look to God for what he has for you. And I'm telling you what he has for you is always much bigger than what you think you don't have. Amen. Just that was, that, again, that was just something I just give, gave to you. You can have that, take that. Put it in your pocket for later. It's a beautiful thing. Wow. So we've been really jumping into this word. Um, and I hope some of you have re-listened. I hope some of you have like actually just gone to the prayer that avail much and, and get your own version. I mean, and read it and continue to read it for yourself. But we're going to continue with this. Um, and I always start every... A message out by reading the prayer, which I will continue to do, which is casting down imaginations um, from the book Prayer That Avails, Prayers That Avail Much, the original series. We are so divinely equipped for so many things. Um, a lot of times we understand our armor and we understand our weapons and we understand that the Bible says we have these great weapons, which we read and hear, you know, that our weapons are not physical, but they're spiritual. How many of us agree that that is definitely a biblical truth, a powerful biblical truth? The problem is, children of God, I learned for a long time being in church and even for a while being in ministry, that those weapons are useless if you don't know how to use them. How many of you have never shot a gun? Okay. So even if you had a gun, you wouldn't know what to do. You just know, you just aim it and pull a trigger. That's what you know. But what if it's locked? Do you know how to unlock it? What if there's no bullet in the chamber? Do you know how to make sure there's a bullet in the chamber? Do you know how to check it to make... So then you got a weapon that you're hoping that you can pull it out and bluff the enemy and that they'll take your bluff and run the other way, right? So you're going to pull an eye on Satan for many years and he knows you don't know how to use your weapons. Mm. So he's not intimidated. You may have backed him off a couple of times pulling it out. But sooner or later, he's going to say, let me see you pull it, pull the trigger. Let me see, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. Yeah, you don't know what you're doing. Okay, are you, are you understanding me? And, and in this time and in this walk of your life, this is where a lot of people start to get frustrated and start to lose hope because 
you believe in for the move of God as he's promised, and then you try to pull out the weapons of, of our warfare, which are not carnal, carnal, but mighty. I'm getting tongue twisted today. Not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And you pull out, try to pull out these weapons. Well, there's a few things. I, I have, I've shot guns. I've shot rifles. Um, there's a few things I know. Um, I'm not a gun expert by a long shot. You know, I'm a guy who shot on the range and that kind of stuff. I'm not no you know, season, but rifles and stuff, I'm very good and, you know, can almost marksman in my shooting. Um, but you bring a bazooka to me or a tank or any other weapon that goes beyond a basic rifle or handgun, and I'm looking at you like, uh, I accidentally, with a handgun, not really knowing how to handle it right, was trying to take the bullet out the chamber and wound up shooting the gun. Think I ain't shooting nobody, you know, but I wound up shooting the gun accidentally. Um, this is when you're not trained with your weapons. You don't know how to use them. So what the church has been teaching for the longest time, are you listening to me? Is just to take an inventory of your weapons. I have this, I got the shield, I got the sword, I, you know, and you go to other stuff like, yeah, but you don't know how to use it. And Satan knows that you don't know how to use it. So you don't know what a stand is, a stand or a stand off, they would say in, 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 in the old thing, or the, you probably, some of you have heard the phrase, a Mexican standoff. A Mexican, a Mexican standoff was not you just stood there, you stood there poised, you had your weapons and you stood there and they stood there and you said, I'm not moving. And so it's a, you probably know it more as the phrase playing, like the game chicken, right? How many of you don't know what that is? My God, okay, I'm old. <laughs> okay, so watch. And I don't mean old in a decrepit way. I mean age, like fine wine, I'm old. I'm, anyway, never, never mind, I digress. The game chicken is the person gets in the car, and you get in the car and you'll come racing at each other. The first one who swerves off or panics loses. Well, it should just both be brave and run and smash at each other and, and probably both kill yourself. But it's a real game. It's a real thing. People do it on motorcycles. People do it, it, it on bikes. All that. It's the same thing. I think it comes back from the day when they would joust with the horses who would, who would flinch first. Stay with me. When you don't know how to use those weapons, you got to stand off the enemy and you can't stand them off for so long because you don't have the tools to chase them away. Are you with me? It's very powerful. And after a while, he's going to test you. He's going to find out what you really believe or he's going to figure out what you really believe or what you really know. So the key to our victory is our weapons are spiritual and our stand is a standoff. We play chicken with the devil. We stand there till he flinches. We stand there till he runs the other way. But we stand there not taking his abuse. That's not standing. We stand there ready, loaded, caught, and ready to go and say, you step over this line if you want to. And if you do, I need you to know that you know, you're walking over, but you're limping back. Like, this is the way it's going down. You're not going to win this one. 
You can't come over here and keep putting your hands on me and on my life and on my children and on my finances, on my health. And then I just hold on for the good Lord every day and any day. And I sure as I'm speaking to people today, some of you are just tired of that. And I'm telling you why it's fatiguing, not because God hasn't moved, but because you haven't taken a stand and you haven't decided which weapons you need to use and how you need to use them to make the enemy understand that he can't keep evading. Well, you know, God sometimes lets that happen. God don't work with Satan. He ain't in partnership with him. He don't call Satan up to help him build the shed. It has never happened and it never will. And he don't call his enemy to help raise his children. So anybody who has taught you that lie and told you that lie is a demon in themselves. That's bull crap. I know they mean well sometimes standing over the pulpit, but they still wrong. God don't ever go over to Satan to get a cup of sugar to make a cake. He don't need nothing that the devil has, and he don't need to use Satan to help you become strong. That's not how God raises children. And not any there's not a person on here will call your enemy to beat up on your kids so that your kids could be strong. I know, but God, but see, God wasn't, don't, don't try to make up stuff. He clearly says it with scripture. So let me shut that bull crap down if some of you still holding on to it. He's, Jesus said, which of you, if your son asked you for an egg, you would give him a rock? And which one of you, if your son asked him for a fish, would give him a serpent, which Satan is known as. The serpent fish is the fish, if you think about it, is Christ or the deliverance, and the serpent is Satan himself. He says, if you being of evil nature or being an evil spirit yourself or an evil person yourself, know how to do good things for your children, how much more will your heavenly father do for those who believe? So if you have accepted that the enemy is the way God grooms you, you've just accepted the enemy. That's all. Just call it what it is. You've just accepted Satan as your teacher as your tutor and as your mentor, and he's gonna keep kicking your face in as long as you allow him to do so. You made a, a decision. It's a bad decision, but it's a decision. Unmake it. Am I speaking to anybody? Wave a hand at me. Is this helpful? You, you being blessed? It's important to understand that God's not in league with the devil and he's never needed the devil's help, ever. Never have, never will. Amen? So let's get back to this message. I went a little bit off on, on, on this. Just I just wanted to encourage, and I did what God told me to do. But let's keep it moving now. So casting down imaginations, and we're going to go through the prayer again, and then we're going to go to the next scripture reference. Um, so I'm going to read this. You can repeat it, and um, let's do it. So here we go. Father, though I live in this world, I do not wage war as the world does. The weapons I fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We went through the whole thing last week about demolishing strongholds. I demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of you. And I take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, Father, to bless those who despitefully use me 
Whenever I feel afraid, I will trust you. When I feel miserable, I will express thanksgiving. And when I feel that life is unfair, I will remember that you are more than enough. When I feel ashamed, help me to remember that no, I no longer have to be afraid. I will not suffer shame. I am delivered from fear of disgrace. I will not be humiliated. I relinquish the shame of my youth. It is well with my soul. For you have redeemed me. You have called me by my name. I am in your will for my life at this time. I am being transformed through the renewing of my mind. I am able to test and approve for myself what your will is. Your good and acceptable and perfect will. You have good things reserved for my future. All of my needs are met according to your riches in glory. I will replace worry for my family with asking you to protect and care for them. You are love and perfect love cast out all fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Hmm. Last week, we went over Rome. Well, the first week, we went over 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. Last week, we went, went over Romans 12, 2. This week, we're going to Luke 6. And let's go to Luke 6. I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the verse in a minute. If, the, if you were blessed by the prayer, you could say amen. Um, I hope you prayed along with me or spoke it over yourself. Um, it don't work when I speak it. It works when you speak it. Um, so we go into Luke 6. And as we take this in, if you haven't heard the first two messages, you're doing yourself a big disservice by not listening to everything. Because again, as I always say, the enemy doesn't care what I believe. And we've been walked through detail and teaching you how to use these weapons. So I want you to listen to this. Starting at verse 23. Rejoice ye in the day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did our fathers did, I mean, did their fathers unto the prophets. 
But woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. Woe unto you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets, to the false prophets. But I say unto you, love your enemy, do good to them which hate you, and bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. I love this verse because I first read this verse, I said, when I first read this verse, I was, I was poor. And I would go, well, okay, so rich people got a problem and maybe I'm blessed. And that's what I was learning in church because I'm poor. Then God began to prosper me. And now I'm what people would consider rich. And I was like, oh, so am I in a bad place? Well, I had learned enough over time to know that that wasn't what the word said. So I'm going to take you from the key, from the old English to the Amplified. And I'm going to, we're going to break this down step by step. This is very, very powerful because you're going to find out that he's talking about not those who are rich money, but those who are rich in the way they look at or treat money. Um, I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. Everybody say money is the root of all evil. A lot of people that don't know the Bible and the Bible clearly says the love of money is the root of all evil. When you make money God and you begin to believe that there are the solutions to all your problems and woes and money. I had a conversation with, you know, I know some very wealthy people, you know, at this point, you know, in, in the circles I travel in. And um, we kind of had a conversation about money and I asked a question. So can you answer me a question? Sure. Where is the suicide rate the highest? Is it amongst poor or wealthy people? He said, usually amongst wealthy people. Okay, so you know that to be true, of course. I know, I, I know it. Very, he said, no, very well. So let me think. I said, let me ask you this question. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it is? that the wealthy would be, you know, I've heard somebody say this one time and, and, and I, I believe it's true. Being depressed and having to go see this and that and the other for these kind of things, it's a luxury. It's a luxury. It, it's, it's the state of a, of, of, a, of a spoiled people, of a rich or a wealthy or, or, or decent off people for the most part. You got people that I remember when when I was poor, poor. I have time to be depressed. I had stuff to do. I had to figure out how I was going to pay my bills. I had to figure out how I was going to eat. I had no time. I had no money to see no therapist. And I had no time. I had to get stuff done. And so I worked to make it happen. I worked to provide for my family. I did what I had to do to make things come together. I didn't have time to go through a depression phase. I didn't. Now, people will say, well, you could have been going through it the whole time. Yeah, but I was so busy doing what I needed to do. I'd have time to sit there and lick my wounds. You got time to go through a lot of that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying anything serious for some people, but in this America, is that it's like the biggest place. It's places like this where you hear this kind of stuff because we are cushy. We got things a lot easier than third world countries that you don't see them. They don't have therapists over there. They don't have them. So people 
commit suicide on a higher rate that are wealthy because when you don't have anything, you can convince yourself that once you get something, all things will be okay. So they, they have a hope or an anchor in, well, when I get rich, I'm gonna show everybody. They'll love me then, they'll like me then, everything, people won't say bad things about me and all the things that bother you. And then you get rich and you find out they still talking crap about you. They saying nice things because they want your money and they want you to take care of them and look out for them. But people, I've learned this the hard way. I mean, I'm, I'm not a child, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 64 year old man. And here's one of the things that I've learned. I remember when I had nothing, thinking that once I reached a certain level, even family members and stuff would now speak better of me. And what I found was family members kept trying to hold me to what I was. Maybe maliciously, maybe jealously, maybe not just not even intentional. We still say, yeah, well, you know how you are. You never on time. I've been on time every time for the past 20 years. Why are you trying to hold me to what I was when I was a teenager? Well, I remember when you ain't had nothing. And I remember, I, I remember you used to always do that. And, and because in their minds, like you are never in our sight going to get big enough for us to give you any praise and honor. We're going to continue to remind you of who you are. It's not everybody, but it's too many people. And it can't, God had to say to me one day, you're never going to find it in man. You're only going to find it in me and you're only going to find it in yourself. Nobody is ever going to change their opinion of you to make you feel better. They never will. So rich people will have more of a tendency to commit a suicide because like I said, it's a luxury because for them, once you got rich and they still saying the same thing about you and they're still treating you the same way and they still not showing you love, what, what you got now? But you're gonna say, well, if I could just get poor again, everything would be better. No, you're not gonna think that. So you think there's no hope and it ain't gonna get any better and it can't get any better. And I just don't wanna live with this anymore. And I understand the feeling because I went through it. I got it. I understand it. Because the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And no matter how successful you are in this world, he's going to find a way to tell you you still ain't nothing. Why? Because he's the accuser of the brethren. He is never going to tell you, congratulations, you made it. He's never going to loosen his attack. He'll just find a different means. Are you listening to me? To attack that same insecurity, that same weakness. Why do you think so many of these stars and stuff and you see them doing some of the stupid stuff they do and you go like, with all that money they got, why would they do something stupid like this? Because what's in them was never fixed. You just fixed the outside, but your inside is still broken. So hmm, I'm all off on a whole different tangent that I mean to go on today, but I'm just gonna stay here for a minute. People used to say to me all the time, money changes you. So if you get money, you know, you're gonna change. And I said, Wow. And I remember hearing that a lot, you know, when, you know, when, again, when you pour and you're around poor people and they have poor people conversations, I don't mean no disrespect. I'm just, just talking about it is. Poor people talk like poor people. Wealthy people, when you get around wealthy, successful business people, they don't do a lot of gossiping, a lot. Of, they don't have time. They're talking about what the next project is and what's the next thing we want to conquer and what's the next deal we want to close. And that's how the conversations go. Are you listening? I realized something. I would always feel weaker based on the conversations I would be around. And if you pay attention right now today, 
I'm gonna keep throwing scriptures up. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Your mannerisms change when you're around powerful people. Your behavior, the way you think, the way you flow, the way you the way you do things. But they've been my friend for so many years. And how's that working for you? What have you guys conquered or achieved together? What have you reached for to, 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 to or grown in together? Oh, they're just company. Okay, well, what kind of company? Are you listening to me today? What, what, what is this conversation that you're having? Where does it take you? What kind of company are they? What does this company bring? See, it's very, very interesting because when you talk about company, when you have a business, it's called a company and you surround yourself with people that have the same goal and the same ambition to build that company. Well, if all your company and all the people you are with has the goal just to sit around and talk about people and gossip, you know, you know your mama's old saying, every dog that brings a bone carries a bone. If they sitting around with you talking about people, they sitting around people talking about you when you ain't there. It's the way it goes. There's, there's no honor amongst thieves. It's the same. It's the same. So there has to be something in me that says my environment has to look different for me to achieve what it is I'm going for it with the Lord. For my time with the Lord, my ability to use these weapons that we're going to get more into today is important. So when he's talking about wealth here, he's talking about financial wealth being the lowest form of wealth there is. I want you to understand that. It's the lowest form of wealth. The highest form of wealth is wisdom. If you, we went through this a couple of weeks ago. It said, all you're getting with wisdom and with wisdom get understanding for she shall come to you with left of days, which is health in her right hand and wealth and honor in her left. So don't pursue wealth, pursue wisdom and wisdom will come bearing its own gifts because wisdom knows how to take care of itself. So as you heard me talking about my conversation with Nelly, or she brought it up, um, me saying, okay, all this, I'm standing, I'm believing God, what's the battle plan? Did he give you a plan? Did he tell you what your next steps are? Did he tell you what you're supposed to do? Oh, so you're just standing. Okay, so then you're not doing anything because you're not really standing, you're actually sitting. Standing is a forward motion. Standing is a position that you won't be moved from. So we'll get we'll get into that. So now let's break this down from the amplified. Um, let me go to um, starting at verse twenty-one. I think that's where I started before. But well, I'm gonna start from verse twenty. I'm gonna start right from twenty. And looking toward his disciples, he began speaking. This is Jesus talking, just so we know this. Spiritually prosperous and happy and to be mired, are you poor in spirit, those who are devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant, for the kingdom is yours to have. So he's talking about a hunger and a striving for things that are spiritual. And oh my God, I could do a whole message on this, but I won't, I'll, I'll contain myself. That's why most church people are broke or poor or, or go through a lot of stuff that they go through because they're always seeking to obtain and they're always seeking to say, I got it. 
They're always seeking to say, I understand it. Well, I know the Lord. I know the Lord. I know Jesus. You can't tell me. And they get to this place where they so spiritually, I know. I call them, I know Christians. Every time you try to give words, oh, yeah, I know that scripture. You try to quote a verse. They want to have you finish it for you to prove to you that they got. They regarded themselves spiritually significant. And he said, this is blessed enough for those who are always in the place of a child, always striving, always seeking, always feeling like I don't know this word, but I'm learning this word and I need more of this word and I'm teachable and I want to continue to grow. He said, bless are those people, but those who are spiritually arrogant and think that they know it all and they got it all figured out, God can't even minister to you because he'll try to say something to you and you try to guide his hand. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to point nobody out. I'm just telling you, you know the difference. So he said, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant for the kingdom of God is yours. Always in the place of, I got a lot to learn. Not saying that I have, but this thing, one, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me, even the good things, even your accomplishments, forgetting those things, I press forward to the mark of the high calling. We're always supposed to be children. We're always supposed to be seeking and growing, and we're never supposed to get to the place that we think we know so much word that we can rebuke and shame and look down and talk down on somebody else's walk because we think we've arrived. You haven't arrived. You're, always, you're not arrived, you don't arrive until you leave this planet. And that's when he judges you. But that's a different story. We won't go there. All right. So he said, the kingdom is yours both now and forever. But the kingdom of God is yours both now and forever. Whose? Those who are not spiritually arrogant and who regard themselves as insignificant. Now, let's go on. Blessed. Now, I want you to listen to this definition of blessed. I've taught you guys this for years. You probably know it. But I love reading it out, out of the Amplified and, and seeing the breakdown of each word. Bless. And the definition is joyful, nourished by God's goodness are they who hunger now. So see, they may hunger in the natural, but he said, but you're, you're nourished by God's goodness. Let's take that apart. I'm going to take as many things apart as I can today. You with me? Ready? Jesus is at the well. He sends his disciples to town. He's hungry. They go to get food. You're with me? He come, they come back and Jesus says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. He's not hungry anymore. The disciples are looking at each other. Who fed him? Where did he get food from? And what he was explaining was, my food is to do the work of my father. I'm filled and satisfied by being used by my father. Have you ever felt down or depressed or troubled or bothered or confused or anything? And all of a sudden, God gives you somebody to minister to. And you start to minister and share the world with them. And you start to encourage them. And you start to build them up. And all of a sudden, you don't feel depressed no more. All of a sudden, you don't feel, to a matter of fact, while you were ministering to them, you heard the word that you needed for yourself to get you back up on your feet. See, this is what he's saying. 
there's 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 meat there's a meat to eat that's not physical meat it's not always about dollars and nickels as nelly said earlier i didn't know what to do i've been struggling with this for a long time and then i got this word you you know you need to come up good before god and get a battle plan and then she did and then somebody came back to her and said exactly what they said before but this time because her spirit was in the right place she heard god's move the food that we need and the answers we need are not in the form of cash and money and food and, and clothes and cars. It's in the area of wisdom and insight where I say, I'll be hungry for that stuff as long as I fill God with your stuff. You're talking about the right kind of weapons for battle. You can't beat the enemy if he can keep coming at you in the, the physical areas and you crumble every time he does. I, and, and that's where we confuse the stand and getting, letting the enemy smack us around. No, you don't let him smack you around. You full, you powerful, you stand against him. You like, but I'm, I'm covered here. And not only I'm covered here, I'm covered enough to drive you back. You don't get to encroach on my territory. I encroach on yours. The kingdom suffers violent, but the violent take it by force. Satan is not afraid of Christian wimps. He's afraid of those who know the word and will push forward. You know how to swing that weapon. You don't want it. He don't want none of this. He don't want it. So am I helping you? Are you getting something? Because this is, I'm, I'm very, very, very toothpicking this. I want to make sure we understand this. Our power is not in feeling powerful. Our power is not in talking powerful. My power is not in how much money I have now, how much I make now. My power right now is in me being able to be still before God and say, God, when I say it is well with my soul, I do not mean it is well with my soul, no matter what happens to me and no matter what the devil takes from me, how many people beat me up and rob me every day. No, none of that is well with my soul. You run at me like that, you're going to catch some. You're going to catch a live one. I'm saying it is well with me, God, that what I have from you and the weapons that you've given me to stand with, I am good. I'm good. I'll face down enemy, enemy at any time and I will beat them. You know, it's interesting watching, I'm, I'm drifting off again. It's interesting watching this war in Ukraine because they're holding their ground against Russia. But they're very, very clear on what they need. They keep calling and saying, look, we need more stuff. We ain't got enough to stand against them. We need some stuff. Can you guys send us this? We need more of that. We need more of this. Now, I listen to that and I go, wow. Russia is supposed to be the big superpower, you know, and this little group is giving them a hard time. Now I'm not, you know, a proponent of the war and none of this mess, but here's what I'm noticing. They're not only giving them weapons, they're sending people over to train them how to use those weapons. And their determination not to be moved is the most powerful weapon they have. Did you catch that? Their determination, come on, this is Russia. America's people are scared of Russia. It looks like to us, the moment that Russia took up weapons against them, they should have been over in a week. But their determination not to be moved, are you listening to me? is the most powerful weapon they have. It's the most powerful weapon they have. 
What am I saying to you? What is your, what is your most powerful weapon? Your, your determination not to be moved, your determination not to be bullied, your determination not to be taken advantage of, your determination not to let the enemy walk over you, your determination to take ground, as much ground as you can take. And you watch it, if you watch this, they'll take a city from them and they'll come back and they'll take that city right back. Like we are not going out without a fight. And you can't beat a people like that. We learned that in Vietnam. You can't beat a people who won't lay down. They, these people are like, we will fight till we dead. We, to every single one of us is dead. We will not give up this ground. In your walk with the Lord, you have to decide, I will not give up this ground. I will not, not only will I not give up the ground, I will not let you take any of the ground that God has given me from me. If you do, I will take it back and then I will come into your land. I will take some of your ground, but I am not going to let you take that from me, which is the promise of God. So he said, you will be nourished. Now watch this. For righteousness, this is the definition of being nourished. For righteousness, act actively seeking right standing with God, for you will completely be satisfied. So here's what you're seeking, to be in right standing with God actively. You will be completely satisfied. Then they're going to say, blessed, forgiven, refreshed by God's grace are those who weep now for your sins and you'll repent, for you will laugh later. So he's not talking about blessed are those who are crying and depressed and woe with me. And I know I'm just going to be better. So he said, no, blessed are you who repent and weep over your sins or your shortcomings, for you will be completely blessed, satisfied, forgiven. You will laugh. You will have joy. Why? Once again, it's putting yourself in a place of being in a role like the child and never becoming so grown that God can't speak to you. I want everybody to take a moment right now, just as I'm speaking, and just if there's anywhere in yourself where you know you become self-righteous, you become holier than thou, but you think you just know God, you know what God will do and what he won't do so well. I want you to take a minute right now and just go before the throne and just, just repent and say, God, I'm not better than anyone. I'm not better than everyone. I'm, I'm as good as you've made me. And I'm willing right now to renounce my haughtiness, my self-righteousness, my arrogance, my sense of who I think I am. Who I think I am is not important. Who people think I am is not important. God, only who you think I am is important. It's the only thing that's important. This is, this is some good stuff here. All right. When the burdens of sin is lifted, blessed, morally courageous, and spiritually alive with life, joy, and God's goodness. And I want you to notice every time we use the word blessed, is using a different word bless, and the definition of the word bless has a different meaning every time. I don't know if you noticed that. Watch, the first one in verse 21 is bless, which is joyful, nourished by God's goodness. The second one, which is in the end of verse 21 says, blessed is forgiven and refreshed by God's grace. This is awesome. 
verse 22, blessed is morally courageous and spiritually alive with life, joy, and God's goodness. So every time he's using the word blessed, it's being significantly used to point out whatever that area is. That word blessed in the Hebrew gets changed uh, and it, well, in, in terms of this in the Greek, every time it's used, it's a different word, but it's the, we just call them all blessed. But he's saying every area is being covered. So now watch this, let's go 22. Blessed, morally courageous and spiritually alive with joy and with life joy and God's goodness. Are you, when you watch this, when people hate you and exclude you from their fellowship and insult you and scorn your name as evil because of your association with God. So there's not just talking about blessed those who curse you and blessed those who stay bad. No, that's, that means you blessed. No, he's saying you, you're blessed if people mock you and speak against you because of your walk with God, not because you're an a-hole. Yeah, I said it. A lot of Christians are not liked by people, don't get along with people because they're arrogant, stuck up, self-righteous, think they're better than people. Now they, they hate me for the Lord. No, they hate you because you are stupid. That's why they hate you, because you're an idiot. That's why they hate you. He said, if you if they hate you because you walk with the Lord and your walk with law and your humility and your walk with God, and they can see. Now, let me ask you this, man. I so much I can say, and I know we're running out of time. If you poor with everybody else, ain't nobody hating you for that. If they see you humble before God, they see you walking in the love of God and you ain't doing all the stuff they're willing to do to try to get a dollar. You ain't out in the club, even though they calling themselves Christian women with all their boobs and behind out shaking and twerking and all that, trying to catch a man. You, yeah, you see, people don't have these kind of conversations where we're going to have them, right? And you're not doing what they do, but you still bless and you still wind up with a good one. And you still wind up with all your needs being met and you, they doing whatever they can and sleep with Tom, Dick and Harry, just get enough money to get their head dig. You, you see, these are the kind of conversations people don't want to talk about, but we don't have them, right? And then they see that you ain't doing any of that, but God still keep blessing you and he still keep looking out for you. That's what he's talking about. You bless when they hate you for that when they can see that you have that walk with God, they can see God's presence all over you. They can see that, that no matter what happened, she or he just keep coming out on top. I can't stand them. They may smile on your face, but behind your back, it's just, uh, you know, I'm doing all the stuff that I know to do to get this. I'm working you know, three job shifts and you know, I'm trying to come in every day and I'm still struggling. And there he is sitting in his house watching cartoons and God still keep blessing him. Go on and hate, hate, go ahead. But it's gonna still be my blessing and you can't take it from me. And this is the point I'm trying to say. There is a joy in being despised to being disliked, to having people, people having something against you, but it's not the joy, listen close to me, of the suffering is the joy of God saying, but now watch what I will do for you outside of that realm. And that's the blessings talking about. We're gonna get more into it next week, but he's talking about, give me a chance to bless you outside of their system, outside of their world, outside of their life. 
Your stand is not standing and being abused. Your stand is standing and I'm humble in God and I trust God and I shall prevail. And he said, and what you see is people will hate you. They will despise you. See, now, if you just read it from the King James, where you say, well, blessed is when people hate you. No, not when people hate you, you're not blessed. When people hate you, when you operate in the principles and the power of God, you are blessed. You hear me now? You hear me now? You are blessed when you operating in the principles and the power of God in this way where you are not having to do anything to see the move of God that they would do, but God's still blessing you. Am I, who am I speaking to right now? Who am I talking to right now? You are blessed when people despise you because of God's goodness in your life. Not because you're struggling just like them, but you just don't complain. See, they just don't complain. They, they, I, I even went over and bought them some groceries. They're doing so bad, but they, they just don't complain. That, 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 they, they don't despise you. Now they feel Lord over you because they feel like they can keep coming over and giving you stuff whenever you need it. Thank God for that $50. Well, amen. Thank God for it. But we're supposed to be loaning to many nations and not borrowing. They're not supposed to be having to come over and give us a cup of sugar. We're supposed to have all of that. But he said, it's blessed when they despise you. Because I'm going to read that one last time, and then we're going to go over. Blessed, morally courageous, and spiritually alive with life joy and God's goodness is when people hate you and exclude you from their fellowship. They won't invite you to their parties. They don't want you to come over. Your friends don't want you to come out to the club with them and, 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 and dress slightly to try to catch a man. You above that now. And insult you and scorn your name as evil because of your association with the son of man. Rejoice on that day and leap for joy for your reward in heaven is great absolutely inexhaustible. This is what I'm saying to you. When they say bless those who mourn and weep and who are hated, it ain't talking about natural hate or human hate or man hate. It's talking about that, that, that flesh hate that come from you walking with God. Not because you just like one of them, but they all hate me because I got a better car than them. I ain't thinking about that mess. They talking about they hate you because you walk with God. You walk with God. Now, if you walk with God, you will have a better car. But that's not the focus. If they hate you because you got a better car, you missing the mark, baby. That's wrong. They're supposed to hate you because if they're going to hate you and exclude you because your walk with God shines a light on them that makes them feel uncomfortable. It makes them feel like, wow, how you, you, you just get on my nerves. Like you, 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 you don't do the stuff we do. You don't go where we go. I just stick her here. I'm just sick of her. I'm just sick of him. He just, just gets on my nerves. Well, it gets on your nerves because my light shines in your darkness and it, and it blinds your eyes. And that should be the motivation of people disliking you, not just disliking you because you call yourself a Christian. That's not the dislike this is talking about. And, and here's where I'll close it. And here I'll prove my point. Because it says, God's light and inexhaustible absolutely inexhaustible greatness will shine on you. If that ain't happening, if you're struggling just like them, but you just got a new pair of Yeezys and they mad at you, that's not what this is talking about. You don't fit this profile. Just take yourself out of it. This is for people who they can continually see the flow and the move of God on them and they can identify 
having a better pair of sneakers than somebody is not a big deal because somebody else is going to have a better car and a better pair of sneakers than you. And then, then where's your God? It doesn't make a difference. I can be around people and I am around people. Like I said, we're worth probably, you know, millions of billions, tens of millions. And they're around me and they still envy me because they don't understand. But I'm right there to say, well, all you got to do is ask me. I'll tell you what I did. I, I don't believe in all that. I don't believe in all that God stuff. Yeah, I just think you, you're just lucky. Well, that's a spiritual position. That's, a, that's, that's, come on. That, you're juxtaposing a spiritual position right here. Luck is a spirit. That ain't real. That's a faith. I thought you said you wasn't religious. You didn't have faith. I don't. Wait, luck is a lust, luck is a spirit. That's a position spiritually. That's believing in something you cannot see. What is luck? What is it? Leprechauns? What are you talking about? What is luck? What, what does that mean? Four leaves, clovers, and stuff. What people say the stupidest stuff because people know that the spiritual spiritual position you live out is a real place. It's very real. And sometimes it's more real to them than it is to you. And their frustration and their anger and their hatred towards you is they don't know how to acquire it. And a lot of times people hate Christians because they know what you're supposed to have and you're not having it also irritates them because they're looking for you to do it right so they can decide if they want to follow your God or not. Hmm. So I'm saying to you today, People should hate you because you have a clear relationship with God that they can see and can't deny. And any other reason for them hating you, you are in the wrong category, you are in the wrong street. If you mourning and weeping because things are not going your way, instead of mourning and weeping for more of God and, and lower yourself and, and in the eyes of man that you may look big in the eyes of God, this is what this is talking about. They're not talking about crying because you can't pay your rent. So blessed are those who are mourning and reaching out for fullness and total understanding of God, humbling themselves, putting themselves in a lower place on a day-to-day -day basis in the eyes of God so that he may exhort you in due time. Amen? Amen. We'll pick this up next week.